Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, and a person seeing, hearing, touching so much that's disheartening. Um, headline in Star and Tribune this week, Food Supply Warning. It describes the UN's new report on land and climate change. The Earth has warmed 2.6 degrees Fahrenheit since the Industrial Revolution. We are experiencing cascading consequences. A quarter of the world's population is facing water scarcity. At the same time, since 2013, Americans, America's farmers and ranchers have weathered a nearly 50% drop in net farm income. That's the largest four-year drop since the start of the Great Depression. Um, you know, it's a tough time in American heartland. And if you want some facts on it, you can go to Farm Aid. Um, they're going to have their concert um, on September 23rd, 21st in um, Wisconsin. Unfortunately, the tickets are already sold out, but they're working on something online. And there, there are three things that give me hope. And I think it's really important in, when you're feeling despair to find those lights and, and, help, and help create the light and counter the despair. Um, and one thing was uh, the show I did last week with Atina Diffley. Um, and her story is going to be featured at the Finn. Fringe Festival uh, tonight, um, Saturday, August 10th at 8.30. Also tomorrow um, afternoon, 2.30, and that's at Augsburg um, University. So you can get more information about the play of The uh, Last Farmer in Egan um, and how they also fought successfully fought a pop pipeline. Um, the other thing that gave me hope, or that's given me hope, and I want to thank an AM950 50 listener for letting me know about this wonderful movie that's playing right now at Riverview Theater, um, The Biggest Little Farm. And so The Biggest Little Farm is uh, it, it's an uplifting um, story about how people did a lot of really tough things, uh, but they helped take um, wounded land and transform it into a working farm that's making money the old-fashioned way. They have lambs, they have chickens, they have ducks, they have 70 different types of fruits. They have vibrant soils. It's a wonderful little movie, and it, I think it really lights a path to the future. The power of regenerative agriculture to make the world more kind, more sane, and better for future generations. Um, really encourage everyone to get out and see that movie, The Biggest Little Farm. The third thing that's given me hope, um, and that's our topic of today, um, in studio with me is a Andrew Marshall. He's a shareholder at Bassford.com, uh, the law firm. He's also um, a legal director for a group called No CAFOs. Hi, welcome to Food Freedom Radio, Andrew. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, so what is No CAFOs? Uh, no CAFOs is a, an organization that was formed in response to residents uh, of the town of Trade Lake, Wisconsin, discovering that an industrial hog farm was seeking to locate in the, within the township. Okay, so tell us about your personal connection to this. Sure. My wife and I own uh, a small 118-acre farm in Trade Lake, and actually our property starts right at the uh, town hall, right just past the town hall. And we spend a lot of time in the area, love the area, and found out about the, by, kind of by, by accident, found out about the issue involving the hog farm um, by just driving through the town and seeing tons of cars parked <laughs> around the, the town hall, and, and then later finding out that there was a meeting involving the issue of the proposed, it's called a concentrated animal feeding operation, and uh, so the acronym is CAFO. So people often refer to it as a CAFO, and that's a legal term, CAFOs. It is okay. Right. So, um, so what does it mean, uh, a CAFO? Um, there are different definitions, but in essence, it's a um, it's a operation that has, I think, a thousand. A large CAFO is an operation that has more than a thousand animal units, and so an animal unit, a, a hog, is not the same animal unit as a, for example, a, a, a milking cow. Um, but a, a milking cow would be one animal unit. Um, a hog, I think, is a, maybe a 0.6 or something like that of an yeah. animal unit. Um, the, proposed, the proposed CAFO in this case is going to be about 26,000. 26,000 hogs on how much area? In it's about 38 acres. That doesn't sound like a very fun life for a hog. No, I, I, my understanding, and from also from looking at the, the plans for the proposed CAFO, is that they're going to be crated, basically. They're their entire existence at the facility. 26,000 hogs in a small building. Yeah, but isn't that great economic development? <laughs> um, no, it's not. Uh, I, I think if you look at the economics of it, there's, there's not going to be a huge amount. It doesn't appear as if there's going to be a huge amount of economic benefit to the area. Um, I have heard secondhand that the construction process will involve prefabricated portions of the building being brought in and assembled on site. Um, the proponents of the CAFO suggest that there's going to be some 
uh, jobs that are going to be available. Um, I don't I don't get the impression that the jobs like being the veterinarian or being the manager of the facility are going to be locally hired positions. And um, joining us by phone right now is Ramona. And Ramona, um, I have a uh, – so tell us about your connection to No KFOs. My connection to No KFOs um, is the organization that uh, Andy is part of as I think you might be broke, breaking up a little bit, but this story came. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I just want to slow down and 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 say what is wrong with CAFO. So let's talk about impact on groundwater. Yeah, there's there are a number of risks uh, posed by CAFOs. There's a really good article um, called "Understanding CAFOs" that's put out was put out by the National Association of Local Boards of Health, and it's actually referenced on the CDC's website. Um, it's a very readable article, but yet it talks about some of the science and some of the biology of, of the problems associated with CAFOs. And groundwater is one of the huge issues. Um, there have been a number of, of um, CAFO sites that have caused groundwater contamination. There have been some areas of, for example, Wisconsin, where there's been a proposed CAFO site. That then there's been an environmental study done, and it's found out that there's um, a type of geology that has fractured rock that would allow contaminants to flow quickly through the through the ground into the um, into the aquifer, and so that actually was one basis for not siting a CAFO in a particular area because the the geology wasn't uh, wasn't good for it. But once you get you know the groundwater contaminated with things like E. coli or with um, nitrogen or with I guess phosphates, then it can take a very long time for that to to correct itself. And I remember traveling through Wisconsin. There's actually a warning on the the drinking fountains: don't drink this because of nitrates. And we've done a couple shows on the whole crisis with water. And that's why I'm when I look at how I want to eat, I want to eat in a way that honors water. Sure. You know. And so, but you were saying in this area is actually you guys have good groundwater right now. Now. We do. We we do. We have good groundwater right now, and it's an. I, for I think the people that I've been working with, it, the location here doesn't make sense, because it's in an area that's kind of a higher elevation than the surrounding area. It's in an area that has uh, lakes and streams. Um, some of those flow into the Saint Croix River, um, and so there is a lot of concern, not only with groundwater, but then the kind of the secondary or second issue that people talk about is surface water contamination. I mean, not too long ago, I was hearing stories about some of the lakes in the Twin Cities being closed because of E. coli contamination of the waters. Well, one of the ways you get E. coli contamination is when you have um, contaminants in, in animal manure running off into our lakes and streams. And um, what about business impact? Um, well, I don't think – I haven't heard – and again, this is second. You know, my, my expertise is law, you know, not, mm-hmm. not, not business necessarily. Um, I don't – know that there's going to be a huge business impact, uh, favorable impact by the location of a CAFO in the area. They're, the proponents of the CAFO have been talking about the fact that they're going to be buying grain. That that may be the case. I know that there is a lot of concern about the negative impact. Um, Burnett County, a huge portion of Burnett County's income is, is based upon tourism. There's a significant amount of, of the homes in the area are, are second homes, lake homes, um, vacation homes. And so a big part of the tax base is drawing people in for tourism. Um, a location so, like this can, can injure that industry. Yeah, so describe this location. Um, it's, it's in uh, northwest Wisconsin. It's about um, 20 minutes or so uh, across uh, east of the Minnesota border, Minnesota-Wisconsin border. And it's a beautiful area in terms of it's got rolling hills, lots of streams. It's a, it is um, a, a heavily agricultural area in terms of the, the, the land mass. A lot of the area is farm fields. Um, and so it's um, a beautiful area yeah, to, to be in. It's, yeah, it's a beautiful area. So Ramona's back with us. Hi. Welcome to Food Freedom yeah. Radio, Ramona. Hi. Hi. So um, tell us about um, where your farm is located and your connection to this area. Um. I was born and raised in Burnett County, as well as my husband, so we've lived here all our lives, and uh, we grew up on on dairy farms. My husband also had uh, raised pigs when he was growing up, and in relation to the proposed site, uh, we are located approximately 1,000 feet north of, from property line to property line from where the proposed site would be. Okay, so... 
Um, so you guys have been successful at getting at stopping this. No, well, no, no. not stopping, but but halting. There, as things stand right now, there was just a uh, moratorium passed by the county. There is some discussion about whether or not that moratorium affects the currently uh, the current proposed CAFO. Um, my position is it does. It does affect the currently proposed CAFO. And then there are uh, that's at the county level, and at the township level, the town of Trade Lake is now looking into um, uh, creating additional regulations and possibly looking at a moratorium itself. Okay, okay. So, um, Ramona, tell us. I mean, f- a few months ago, did you ever expect that you'd be president of this organization? I did not. <laughs> So I want to hear your story, and I know we're going to need to take a break soon, but just tell us about how you found out about the pig operation coming in next door and how you reacted. There was a meeting um, in January, uh, uh, just a regular monthly board meeting, and that kind of sets the stage a little bit. A representative for the facility uh, had come to the meeting, um, and on the agenda it was, uh, as agricultural growth, so he it was listed as ag growth on the agenda. And when he started speaking, he was talking about a geographical area, a geographical location of being, you know, somewhere up here. So Ramona, we're going to take a little bit of break, but we're talking about no CAFOs and um, the proposal to put uh, twenty six thousand hogs on thirty five acres. Um, in an ecologically sensitive area and how residents are rising up to say, not in my backyard, we can do better farming, we can do, we can honor our waters. Um, you're listening to Food Freedom Radio. Eat fresh and support local farmers this summer by shopping at the Minneapolis Farmers Market. The market has the best selection of fresh and local fruits and vegetables, meats, and farmstead goods. Fresh at the market now, cherry tomatoes, cauliflower, broccoli, cucumbers, zucchini, beets, carrots, and even some new baby potatoes. The Minneapolis Farmers Market is open every day, 6 a.m. to 1 p.m., plus there's additional locations Tuesday at the Hennepin County Government Center and Thursdays at Nicollet Mall. More details at mplsfarmersmarket.com. Finding the best foods the Twin Cities has to offer is easy with EatLocalMinnesota.com. Offering the top local and independently owned restaurants, EatLocalMinnesota.com has everything from burger joints to cocktails and fine dining. It's Greek to Me has been a family-owned Lynn Lake landmark since 1982. Under new ownership, the Janakis Karis family offers classically inspired modern Greek cuisine in a sublime space with gracious hospitality. Be sure to visit their charming bar and explore wines and specialty drinks from Greece. Find It's Greek to Me at 626 West Lake Street in Minneapolis or at itsgreektomemn.com. Crooner's Lounge and Supper Club invites you to check out their beautiful facilities for your next special occasion. Book your wedding reception, retirement party, business dinner, or other special event with confidence, knowing their expert staff and award-winning chef will make it a big hit with your guests. Call today to get a quote, 763-571-9020. Tom Hartman here letting you know how you can save money with All Energy Solar. One of the myths about solar is that it's too expensive and you need lots of money down. The truth, solar is available for little or no money down. And if you have a great site for solar, you might even save money right away on a monthly basis. So don't wait to switch. You'll see your investment pay off the sooner you switch to All Energy Solar. So start saving today and visit allenergysolar.com. Tune in to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake. We discuss national and local Native American news and events. Two hours is still not long enough. Join Robert Pilot, Wendy Pilot, and me, Uncle Curtis. Weekly correspondents include Winona LaDuke, John Greendeer, and Representative Mary Kanush Podine. Broadcast live AM 950, Saturdays, 1 to 3 p.m. We'll be broadcasting live at the Minnesota State Fair, August 24th. At the International Market Bazaar. Brought to you by Robbins Kaplan and Ho-Chunk Nation. We are awake. Hi, this is Evelyn. Dad, don't make me do what you made Charlie do. You want to drive, right? Fine. My dad is cooler than all YouTube and Instagram celebrities combined. Matt McNeil. That's lit. Whatever. I'm getting ready to start my behind-the-wheel driver's training, and my dad says the only vehicles he wants me learning in are Toyotas. Fine with me, because I love them, too. The vehicles I trust for my young children are the vehicles I trust for their own driving adventure. It's safety and security you can't beat. Test drive a fantastic Toyota today at Rudy Luther Toyota, 394 west of the downtown in Golden Valley. 
Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Headland. We are live today. Our live calling number is 952-946-6205. And we're talking about a proposed a large factory farm in the Wisconsin area. And with us in studio is a shareholder with Bassford, Andrew Marshall. And Andrew, earlier you were saying that um, that's not necessarily, certainly you're not opposing farming. Correct. Yeah. And it's... The position that I think the residents are taking in the Trade Lake area is they're not even opposing a large farm. The issue is not the farm itself. It's not the animals. The issue is the symptoms that it potentially could cause. The issue is, is it going to contaminate the groundwater? Is it going to contaminate the surface water? Is it going to spread disease such as E. coli? Is it going to, because of antibiotics that are fed to the animals, um, is it going to generate antibiotic-resistant bacteria in the area? Um, and that I'm just I'm going to jump in right now. China is experiencing a horrible problem with African swine flu. And so there are problems with large numbers of pigs confined in small areas. Um, I, I believe there's moral problems with that. I, I find moral outrage at that. But but it's not – and not only is it a moral – in my opinion, it's a moral uh, problem. But it's certainly getting to be a problem with antibiotic use. And, um, and, and so um, China actually had to kill 40 million um, swines to try to prevent this African swine disease, and yet that's not working. So I also think it's unwise from an economic viewpoint. But I realize that that's not really the position of the group. That's not... Uh, that's n- I, that may be the position of a number of people who are considering the issue. It's not one of the issues that we're raising in our um, kind of fight to regulate this, this potential uh, CAFO, or to regulate CAFOs in the area, rather. Um, and, and again, the design of the, the residents that are opposed to this is to n- not say you can't come into our area, but to say if you come into our area, then you can't damage our water, you can't damage our land, you can't damage our air, and you can't cause the spread of disease. That sounds fair. And, and earlier you were talking about regulation in the cities. It's like if someone moves next to your house, you know, explain how that works. Well, yeah. So, what, what, again, what we're talking about, there have been a number of, you know, I've, ta- I've spoken to a number of farmers, and their concern is, well, you're trying to regulate us further, and we're already regulated, and, and we need to expand in order to survive. That's not what this group is about. It's not about regulating existing farms. And to be clear, the current operation is not the expansion of an existing farming operation. Um, it's actually a contraction of an existing farmer, uh, farming operation because one farmer is selling his property. Um, but what we're concerned about is not what you're doing on your property, but is what you're doing on your property damaging the um, enjoyment of property adjacent to where you are. And so the example I was using before was if you buy a house in Minneapolis and then someone moves in next door and decides, I'm going to operate a nightclub out of my home, so I'm going to have music blaring at 3 o'clock in the morning. I mean, no one would tolerate that. But yet, if you say, I live on a farm in Wisconsin, and someone buys the land next to my farm, and I can't walk out the door because the smell of hogs is, is so overwhelming, or I can't drink from my wells anymore because they've been contaminated, why would you have to take that? And then the person who bought this farm also has a, a, a political position in Trade Lake. Well, the person who's selling the property. Selling. Right. The person who's selling the property is a, a gentleman named James Moline, and he is the current chairman of the Trade Lake Town Board. And you have some legal stuff going on with him. There is currently an action. There are 11 plaintiffs um, who are either resident or property owners in the area who have brought an action to have Mr. Moline removed from the board. Correct. All right. So joining us right now is going to be Frederick. And Frederick, you are the communications director with um, No KFOs. That's uh, could be N O KFOs, or it could be, but your No KFOs is spelled K N O W C A F O S dot org. So Frederick, tell us a little bit about yourself and your involvement. Are you on the air, Frederick? I guess we have two holding, and uh, Sam is looking up there. So there's two holding. So we're going to get back to you. I'm glad you're in <laughs> studio, so I'm not sitting here with them. And I guess they'll need a call back, and I'll uh, I'll make sure that Sam has their phone number so you can call them back. I haven't done that. I was supposed to do that earlier. But um, so let's go back to um, uh, the problems with um, land values. So um, can land values be affected if if a large farm comes next to you, a large hog operation with 26,000 pigs and 35 acres? Can that impact? Um, land prices? Again, that's not something I'm an expert on, but I've, I've certainly read articles um, that say that. There, there is an article, for example, called Concentrated Animal Feeding Operation and Proximate Property Values. And it talks about the fact that, in fact, land values do decrease depending upon how, and the value, the extent to which they decrease depends upon how far away you are, your property is from the, 
the location of the CAFO. And it can be significant depending upon how the CAFO is operated and, um, you know, if it's, if it's, if the odor is worse, you know, then the property values decrease more. If there's issues with con con contaminated wells, it decreases more. But um, it, it's definitely a phenomenon, and the extent to which the property value decreases depends upon, again, the distance you are from the CAFO and, and what symptoms that uh, the land is experiencing. Great. Now, Frederick Painter um, is with us now, uh, Communications Director. Hi, welcome. Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, so tell us about your involvement in this. Well, we got together as a group simply because of the impact we assumed was going to happen with this CAFO. The big picture was we have never had a farm of this scale anywhere near us, and in fact, we deemed that it's not a farm, it's a factory. So we got together with a group of people, just people talking to people. I think most of us met at a uh, meeting of the township in, you know, a informal way, and then formal smaller groups got together, and those groups got bigger, and here we are today with a website. So it's, it's, uh, <laughs> well, uh, that's where, it's, it's civic activism. It's beautiful. And it is beautiful, and that's where I, I started the show with uh, the need for some hope. And I, it, do, it is hopeful that people can get together. And, and, and this was actually the spirit of the cooperative movement um, when it was formed hundreds of, uh, uh, over uh, 100 or 150 years ago. People got together and said, what can we do? Um, so describe um, some of that activism. Most of it has been displayed through the use of signs, uh, billboards. Uh, we've been blessed with uh, associations with other groups that have supported us, the uh, uh, St. Croix River Association in particular, because the St. Croix River is very much involved in the watershed that the Trade River and all of its tributaries flow into. And so the Trade River system, if it fills with this manure that is flowing out of the system, is going to flow into the St. Croix River and downstream right to uh, the cities there, Stillwater, Hudson. And so everybody should be interested. Uh, this is not a localized problem if it all goes south, shall we say. So the group is uh, focused not only here locally, but is trying to reach out to groups south of us because the water flows south from here. All right. How can our listeners support you guys? The uh, website, nocafos.org, is actually spelled K-N-O-W, CAFOs, because we are an educational corporation. The corporation has certainly a donate button. It also has a button where you can uh, get emails as we update people with meetings. There's some fantastic meetings that are coming up that anybody who wants to uh, affect the situation can go to state-level meetings and to even as, as low as the township and county-level meetings. And support at those meetings is is imperative really that's how we got the moratorium passed through in yeah. Burnett County and that's how they got it in Bayfield County on, on a 16 to 3 vote you got a 12 month moratorium and you just found out about this um, a few months ago and you talked to each other and you said hell this kind of could stink <laughs> so you listen to Food Freedom Radio we're live 952-946-6205 it's plain to see with all the convenient big box stores that sell appliances, why do so many Minnesotans choose Warner Stellion? Check online to learn that Warner Stellion is a Minnesota family-owned business for over 60 years. Warner Stellion sells more brands than anyone else, and our passionate specialists are committed to impressing you so much that you'll refer us to everyone you know. That's our mission here at Warner Stellion. Ask around, check us out online, and when it's your time to buy appliances, join over 300,000 Minnesota homeowners and choose the specialists. Warner Stellion. Northeast Minneapolis is known for its creativity, and you'll know exactly why when you eat at Hazel's Northeast. Their creatively prepared comfort food will have you coming back week after week. Breakfasts like biscuits and gravy, granola pancakes, and brisket hash. For lunch, homemade soup, and one of the best Rubens in town. And don't miss the daily risotto or Chef Ali's ever-changing dinner specials. Come on in. Bring the whole family. Hazel's Northeast delivers real good food. Family owned at 29th and Johnson in Minneapolis. 
Hello, friends. I've been talking to you about Prairie Oaks Memorial Eco Gardens, Minnesota's first green cemetery dedicated to celebrating life and protecting our environment. One of the many wonderful things they have is something called the living urn. Ashes are buried in an urn with seedlings, ultimately coming back to life as a glorious tree. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Why don't you log on to the website mngreengraves.com. Learn more about Prairie Oaks Memorial Eco Gardens. See if it might be something that's meaningful for you. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us. By opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests, we'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Hi, it's Tom Hartman. You know, Continental Diamond is special for a lot of reasons. The owners are Jimmy and Helene Pessis, a husband and wife team who had a dream to open their own store more than 30 years ago. They built a business that is the gold standard. The readers of Minnesota Bride Magazine have named Continental Diamond the best jeweler for the last seven years. Why? Amazing, friendly, no-pressure customer service, a selection of fine diamonds and design jewelry unlike anywhere else, and the fresh-baked chocolate chip cookies are pretty great, too. Continental Diamond in St. Louis Park and at ContinentalDiamond.com. Eat fresh and support local farmers this summer by shopping at the Minneapolis Farmer's Market. The market has the best selection of fresh and local fruits and vegetables, meats, and farmstead goods. Fresh at the market now, cherry tomatoes, cauliflower, broccoli, cucumbers, zucchini, beets, carrots, and even some new baby potatoes. The Minneapolis Farmer's Market is open every day, 6 a.m. to 1 p.m., plus there's additional locations Tuesday at the Hennepin County Government Center and Thursdays at Nicollet Mall. More details at mplsfarmersmarket.com. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Sam Turnberg. Today we have storms with a high near 70. While tonight could keep raining, the low around 62. Tomorrow, partly sunny with a high near 82. Monday, mostly cloudy with a high near 76. And Tuesday, partly sunny with a high near 74. We've had some strong storms with damaging hail come through the Twin Cities recently. Trust the locally owned Snap Construction for a free, thorough property inspection. Their staff knows the process well and has handled thousands of insurance claims. Free inspection 612-333-SNAP or check them out online at snapconstruction.com. Try to see it my way Do I have to keep on talking till I can go on While you see it your way Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Headline, a student of permaculture, a person who's not uh, that knows that cheap food is not cheap. And um, I'm excited to be at the Minneapolis Farmers Market today at 10 o'clock. Um, at 10 o'clock at the Minneapolis Farmers Market, there's going to be the annual Market Chef Challenge. So they're going to have um, they've invited some chefs to uh, shop the market, and then um, they then they're going to prepare their dishes, and we can stop by and see. And hopefully the weather will hold up for them. Um, but to our topic today, and in studio with me is Anne. Andrew Marshall. Um, Andrew is a shareholder at Bassford.com, a law firm. And we're talking about um, a large hog operation that's proposed for in the uh, Wisconsin area. And again, Andrew, remind us of where this area is located. Um, it's northwest Wisconsin. Um, it's actually about – we're sitting in a studio in Eden Prairie. It's about an hour and 40-minute drive from here, about a half hour into Wisconsin from 35W off of 70. Yeah, off of 70, so that's the street for Grantsburg, and it's just a, a little bit off of Grantsburg. Correct. And you guys were able to do a moratorium, so explain how that happened. Yeah, it's the county, Burnett County, that has imposed a moratorium, and I think it was just, it was through the activism that you're talking about that that, that came to fruition. A, a number of people attended meetings at the county, a number of people spoke out about the concerns that they had for the groundwater, the surface water, disease issues, health issues like asthma. And the, um, the board members at Burnett County listened. Um, the administrator, uh, Nate Eholt, listened, and they decided to, I think it would make sense, they decided to study the issue. You know, mm-hmm. They haven't said yes, they haven't said no. The moratorium is so that, uh, for two reasons, number one, so that the county can look at whether or not they do require additional regulation of a large operation like this. And number two, to look at whether or not they have the resources to enforce the current regulations. And the moratorium is, as you mentioned, for a period of one year with a possible six-month extension. What I find so inspirational is how people just kind of got together uh, on this in such a quick time. And Frederick, are you with us again? Yes, sorry about that. No, no worries. Um, So tell us a little bit about, because I I think we're all really looking for hope. So how did you guys all get together and were you one little group? And did, I mean, how, how did this, how did this get together? 
Well, there's there's numerous groups. Obviously, each one of the little townships here is concerned about its own situation, but we have been working with numerous people from Polk County, from Bayfield County, Douglas County, all around us are quite concerned because these CAFO systems are moving out of Iowa to uh, spread the wealth, as they put it. But in our perspective, they are simply trying to escape the the, the disease potential of confinement. Now, there's so many of them in Iowa now that they need to move out. So every one of these communities up here is subject to uh, this kind of operation. Uh, as they place these facilities, the one in Trade Lake was intended to be a farrowing facility where they have babies, and then all those babies have to be spread out around and across the countryside to feeding lots. Okay, so the, the pigs are not raised in this Trade Lake facility. They would be raised elsewhere. And so all of the surrounding townships are quite concerned that they're going to get their own facility in their own multimillion-gallon manure piles. So as they reach out further and further, it becomes a bigger and bigger, uh, call it a stain on the environment, so that you end up with a giant puddle all flowing right down into the St. Croix River because, you know, larger the pig, the more manure they create. And so if they raise these pigs to, you know, 180, 200 pounds, that's an awful lot of pigs. That's a lot of um, – I'm going to encourage our listeners to go out and see the movie Biggest Little Farm because I think some people are saying out there, this is the future of agriculture to survive. We need to get bigger and bigger and bigger and – and, and, and that is the recipe for African swine disease. That's the recipe for lower incomes. That's the recipe for polluted water. That's the recipe for um, more um, – for disparity. Uh, there's a point uh, – Absolutely. Excuse a, me. Go ahead. There's a point that, that Rick just made that, that I think is important to, to emphasize, and that is that the risks that we're looking at are not just the facility itself. There, there was an initial application uh, uh, that was filed with the DNR that indicated that the facility, as I read it, was going to generate about 6.8 million gallons of manure every year. A subsequent uh, application was filed with Burnett County, and if you look at the numbers there, I think it was more like 8.8 .8 million gallons of manure generated by this facility. And the way that they dispose of the manure is they want to spread it on local farm fields. So there's a lot of talk about how they're going to build a facility that, ha that contains the smell, that contains the manure, but then they take the manure and they spread it on 1,000 or 1,300 acres of farm fields around the area. And that's one of the big concerns with respect to surface water and runoff is it's not just is there going to be a leak from the facility. It's not is it going to be a, a leak from a hose that's used to pump the manure out into fields. It's they're actually putting the manure on the fields. And they claim that what they're going to do is they're going to inject it into the ground. What that means is they just dig a furrow and then throw it in the furrow and then cover it up. And it, particularly this year, if you were driving around this area of Wisconsin with all the rain that we got, there was a ton of standing water. And all that standing water eventually runs off into the ditches, and which run into the streams and lakes and all that. So that's one of the big concerns, too, is not just the facility, but all these millions of gallons of manure that are going to be spread across the farm fields in the area. Frederick, do you have anything to say to that? Oh, absolutely. They they state that they have a containment facility, but as Andrew just said, the weather this last spring, uh, farmers couldn't even get into the field to plant corn. So how are you going to get into a field with a giant machine to put manure into the ground? So once the containment facility is full, what, do you take the hogs away somewhere? That's not realistic at all, obviously, so you have to just spray it around the field itself, around the facility, on top of the ground, because if you can't drive a big machine in the field, you have to hose it away from the facility. So the local fields will be completely mired in uh, manure, and there's something called the, the CAFO limit, which means that you can only put so much manure onto a field before the plants can't even grow in that field. So if you get too much manure, it, it simply becomes a, another cesspool or sewer. It can't even sustain yeah. life. 
There's such potential out there for regenerative agriculture, and um, some uh, moving to a plant-based diet can really help um, in a lot of ways environmentally right now. But actually having um, animals on the land, but not too many animals. You know, going back to having having the animals uh, naturally do what they do and having plants there, that is regenerative agriculture, which is the future of agriculture that we can make happen. Also online right now is Ramona. Um, and Ramona, you want to again tell us about your connection? Um, my connection would be that I am roughly from property line to property line, a thousand feet just over from the proposed site is where our home is at that we've lived in for 30 years, raised a family, have raised, we've got a hobby farm, we've raised animals here. And um, so I, I've got a, a lot to lose. And has this issue divided the community? It, it seems like it has, in a greater respect, united many of the community. Uh, there's people that I've known in the community to walk past on the street that have now become my friends. Yeah, I, I, I second that. I think this is, you know, there was a, there was a town meeting that, uh, that, that was in, I believe it was in May or June, and, and these town board meetings would typically have five people attending, right? <laughs> and now they have 100. Yes. Now they have 150 people attending. And one of the one of the uh, attendees at the meeting asked the question. He said, "Look, I've heard that this is a this is a divisive issue. Can can anyone raise their hand if if they're for uh, the location of a CAFO in, in Trade Lake? And one person raised their hand. And I believe that person was related to the farmer selling the property." And then they said, okay, can, and then he said, okay, can you raise your hand if you're opposed to this idea? And everyone in the room raised their hand. So it, 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 certainly, wasn't a, it certainly wasn't a divisive issue as far as, it is not a divisive issue as far as I've seen. Uh, you want to pipe in here, Fred? Well, I'd like to. I'm sorry I didn't hear uh, Ramona's comments, but the divisiveness generally is being created, I believe, by the K-Folk group, simply because, uh, you know, you divide and conquer, right? So uh, the smaller farmers are in pretty desperate situation, as you well know. If the kind of money that's being put into this CAFO was injected instead into the local small farming community uh, through maybe the creation of a yogurt factory, an ice cream factory, uh the dozens of other opportunities to use the vegetables and or milk from yeah, the local small farmers, uh, this would become a vibrant community again. Back in the day, this was a big starch factory in hmm. Grantsburg. So everybody raised potatoes, and everybody brought their potatoes to market. There's huge uh, lines of trucks, and uh, not trucks, in those days it was wagon loads of potatoes waiting to unload at the starch factory. And so that's back when we had starch collars, a little before my time even. But the uh, the main thing is all of those industries have gone global, and everybody sort of forgot. Because this is small, the field average here, size maybe 40 acres is a big field. So it's all checkered across this glacial you know, outwash is what it is here. Nice, rolling, beautiful hills. But between the hills is creeks and streams and lakes. So very difficult place to uh, have a big CAFO, but not a bad place to have a small family farm, you know, if you had a place to sell your produce. Small family farms are are the key to to combating climate change. Going back to have and owning our own economy. And now I'm going to check this out. AM 950, we're a radio station owned by a person who only owns one radio station. Uh, Love our sponsored Seward Co-op, Minneapolis Farmer's Market, Sitka Salmon Share, uh, now Audubon of the Northwoods. Yay! But, but, Underneath all this is its idea of freedom, and it's an idea of um, of, of of making uh, uh, making more than just a living, but creating a life that we want our children to live in. Absolutely, the I mean, I've got grandchildren, and I wish that they have clean water and clean food. It's uh, a challenge. We we raise our own food here the best we can, anyway. Certainly, you have to reach out for complicated stuff, but. Uh, the more families who have a garden and a couple of chickens and maybe even a pig, who knows? <laughs> the uh, the possibilities are endless, but uh, yeah. the value of the food is five times what you can buy at the market unless it was grown locally. 
and and people are working on different ways of marketing. I'd love to do that. Uh, Ramona, did you want to pop in here? As far as um, we raise our our own beef, we've had chickens, we've actually raised our own uh, pigs here for pork meat, and we do our own gardening. And so we don't need this large outside, um, we don't need African swine diseases and 26,000 pigs and 35 acres. How do we find this unity? How did we or how do we? Both. (laughs) Both. I, well, I think that it, it, we were kind of fortunate that we have a, a, just an innate common interest. You know, I think that the people of Trade Lake have pretty thoroughly communicated that they're overwhelmingly in opposition to something like this in their community. And that's true whether the people that are expressing that opinion are farmers, whether they're lake residents, whether they're residents that live in non-lake areas. Um, we actually the, – the town board for Trade Lake – actually drafted a letter that they sent to the Burnett County Board expressing uh, that they are overwhelmingly in opposition to this location of this CAFO in the town. So you're listening to Food Freedom Radio. It's 952-946-6205. The Audubon Center of the Northwoods on Grindstone Lake west of Sandstone offers a great variety of environmental learning experiences for people of all ages running year-round. But did you know you can book your own event here at the center? Check out our lakeside dining hall and the variety of lodging and meeting accommodations available. Visit us on the web at audubon-center.org or call 320-245-ACNW. The Audubon Center of the Northwoods. Does your dog deserve food that is as wholesome as the food you feed your family? Food that is natural without artificial ingredients? At Total Dog Company, we carry Nature's Logic brand dry and canned foods. Nature's Logic pet foods are made without any synthetic vitamin mixes or other synthetic nutrients. All the goodness comes from real food. Find Nature's Logic at Total Dog Company in New Hope, right off of 169 at 9432 36th Avenue North and at TotalDogCompany.com. This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. Freddie, this generation of the baby boomers, people are living longer, so the baby boomers are taking care of elderly parents. Let's talk about your health, and specifically, let's talk about Medicare. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, and even entertainment. Catch New Beginnings with Freddie Bell, Saturdays at 11 on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Prairie Oaks Memorial Eco Gardens is the first green cemetery in Minnesota. It's a beautiful, peaceful place where burials are celebrations of life with as little impact on the environment as possible. Tony Weber founded it because he wants to leave a green legacy for his grandchildren, something many of us might feel. Learn more. Visit the website mngreengraves.com. Give them a call. The goal is so meaningful, so positive, it might be right for you. Prairie Oaks Memorial Eco Gardens. Legal issues, never fun, and they're certainly stressful. While it's tempting just to Google your legal situation, there is a better way. The Hennepin County Bar Association. Their referral counselors can answer many of your questions, like do you even need an attorney? And if you do, what type? They can connect you to a network of over 200 thoroughly vetted, qualified attorneys practicing in over 50 areas of law. Call 612-752-6666 or search for Hennepin County Bar Association. The right call for the right lawyer. So, you're finally coming to grips that it's time to replace your carpet. Or maybe you want to update the look of your favorite room. Lucky for you, there's Z Floors by Zero Res. It's my trusted one-stop shop for all my flooring needs. So when nothing but new will do, check out the new Zero Res flooring experience at z-floors.com. Also right now, it's the Zero Res end of summer sale where you can get three rooms of carpet clean starting at only $129. Call 952-ZERO-RES or visit ZeroResMinnesota.com. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plan to nourish the seeds of change. And right now, joining us via phone is Mao from the Minneapolis Farmers Market. And uh, Mao, welcome to Food Freedom Radio. Hi, welcome. Yeah, I'm going to actually put Bonnie on. Oh, put Bonnie on. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Great. Hi, Bonnie. Hey, Bonnie, are you on? I am, Laura. Uh, yay! Well, 
it's a I long time. Laura, so it is Laura, <laughs> and I'd love to do a whole show. But tell us about what people can do in an hour at the Minneapolis Farmers Market. In an hour, oh, we can have fun. We go <laughs> hop, skip, and jump through the all three aisles. So important to see everything all the time and then kind of keep in your mind what you want to see and you want to get some blueberries today there's tomatoes of course there's always smoked fish and cheese and all the good things um there's oh untights have a whole bunch of sweet corn as well as several other vendors and there's oh so much to see maple syrup some honey and all of this so big Bring your own bags. It's a wise thing to do. But financial, country financials are giving away bags today. Ooh, so, so you get a free bag today. quickly, yeah. Yes, yeah. Stop, quickly grab a couple bags and off you go for shopping. What a spectacular day this is. Awesome. Oh, I'm so happy to hear about this. And because uh, there's a sense of unity in farm and in the overall farm economy, um, the the prices of farming is at a, a, a drop 50 percent from uh, 19 from 2013. So it's the largest four year drop since the Great Depression. If we buy from we, each other. Uh, I'm sorry, but how how well we know we farm. We actually have a 65 acre farm in Andover, Minnesota. Yeah. And we do a lot of specialty crops, and mostly focused on the herbs, but uh, baby lettuces too. Yes, even in the retail market of farmers market, the the squeaky part of the economy has hit us in in the nose hugely. Yeah, it is, and so. Um, but the, you're also having an event called a Chef Challenge because it's all on how how do we learn to cook with the natural food? How do we support each other? So tell us about that event. The Chef Challenge are, are buying two chefs. It's Adam Randall and Andy V. Both of them are very renowned chefs here from the Twin Cities Chef uh, Restaurant Business. And they're coming and they're going to challenge each other with the products that they have from the market. They only have a certain amount of money. They, they ha- So it's limited resources. They go out and they purchase everything they need to do a nice plated meal and it's going to have the best part that I think of it is it's a certain amount of time it's only like 20 minutes to complete it all of that and it's hugely it's tasty it's the site and presentation is very important and the type of product they're using so they're going to use okay everything Bonnie, from the Bonnie, I, um, market. Oh, Bonnie, I, I love it. we got to talk some more another time. and uh, But I um, encourage everyone to get down to the Minneapolis Farmer's Market. Um, get a free bag. Absolutely. Get down there. Get your sweet corn. It's time for sweet corn. <laughs> so, Bonnie, thank you so sweet much. Corn. For... Thank you. Thank you, thank and you. have an awesome day. I will, Laura. Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. So back to our conversation with Andrew Marshall. You're with Bassford. This is the way farming, this is farming, right? This sure. is, this is the soul of farming. So so tell us, um, you guys have been um, trying to counter a large um, $26,000, 26,000 hogs on a 35-acre area. Um, and, and there's something called right to farm. So explain how all that works. There, there, there are a number of statutes throughout the country that are generically referred to as right to farm statutes. Um, a number of states like Wisconsin have very um, uh, effective agricultural lobbies. And there was a statute in Wisconsin that was Wisconsin's right to farm statute that's Wisconsin statute section 823.08. It's entitled Actions Against Agricultural Uses. And what it provides is if as long as the property that's in question was designated agricultural in terms of zoning before an operation like a CAFO moves in, then um, a neighboring landowner can only bring a nuisance action against the CAFO if there is a claim that there's been a substantial threat to public health or safety, okay? So that means you're getting sick, essentially, right? If you can't, as I mentioned before, if Ramona Moody, who's a thousand feet away, can't walk out her door because it smells so bad, if she can't keep her windows open during the summer because of the odor, if she can't drink, well, if she can't drink from her well, that may be a substantial threat to public health or safety. But if it's an odor issue, for example, or if it's because her property values are dropping, if if her property value drops 80% under the Wisconsin statute, she can't bring a claim. So So it's rights to farm without caring about anyone else but yourself. Well, (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, and so, that, but that what that does is, and, and the, the other the other uh, kind of egregious part to the statute is that if you sue the CAFO because you can't walk out your door because it smells so bad, and then you lose, the CAFO gets their attorney's fees back. Wow. If you win, you don't get your attorney's fees back, but the CAFO gets their attorney's fees. And so it's, that's, that's one of the reasons why it's so important to make sure that effective and appropriate regulations are in place before a CAFO is cited so that you don't have to worry about doing some of the, something at the back end. You can prevent these issues like groundwater contamination, surface water contamination yeah. from occurring in the first place. And unfortunately, we're down to our last two minutes. I want to give Ramona um, a chance to shout out about how this has actually unified the community. Uh, Ramona? Yes, um, it has actually unified the community. Um, as I said, that there's there's folks that um, have come together and become friends through this. Um, the uh, the marshals, Andy and Tamara, I never would have met them otherwise, and they're a great couple. And um, Rick and Larray, his wife, uh, have seen them at the town board meetings, but never on a uh, personal friendship level. And so it, it, to me, it, it's unified the community in that respect. And um, I think that that is, is a continuation where we've all just kind of come together. And as Andy said, we've, we've got a focus and we're unified in a cause. Great. And Fred, do you want to do one last shout out, maybe the website and how people here can support you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it is nocafos, K-N-O-W-C-A-F-O-S dot org, and there's a donate button, and we greatly appreciate any support. But back to the gathering of people, uh, this has brought people together everywhere. Uh, in Iowa, there are people who are actually signing covenants to their deeds that they agree never to have any CAFOs on their land or to allow them to spread manure. And so this is a much bigger issue, not only here in uh, northwest Wisconsin, but in Iowa and other places, they're realizing the damage that can, this can cause. Right. And I, I love this. This is a hopeful show. I thank you so much for being on the show. Andrew Marshall, he's a shareholder with Bassford, uh, Frederick, and uh, um, Ramona, I appreciate all your effort. Um, I'm going to do a quick shout out for the shows coming up. We have David Owen um, with Timeless Food, and he's also a renegade farmer. And uh, so we'll be featuring him next week. And, and then we'll be at the Minnesota State Fair. I'm going to be at the Common Table Exhibit on Sunday, September 1st from noon to 6, and on Monday, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Um, so check out at the Minnesota Minnesota State Fair Common Table Exhibit. Also, um, Gustavus College is going to have Climate Changed Facing Our Future on September 24th and September 25th, so we'll be having a show with that. We'll also be having a show coming up with Russ Henry about, um, he's co-producing about the problem with pesticides. So, hey, come together. Let's create a kind, sane world through unity. All right? Let's do that. Let's do it now. Because life is going by fast. Um, You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota.